Well, good morning. Welcome to Yonkson Baptist Church English Sunday School class for October 23rd. Whew. We have finished the seven units of biblical creationism, and as I spoke about last week, if we get to see the video, um, we're in unit eight now and picking up with questions from the study that we haven't dis uh, discussed yet. Last week we discussed the first question that um, has arisen that I didn't cover for some reason, and that was dinosaurs. So we spoke about the fact that, um, though most people haven't heard it, the succinct response to what does the Bible say and what do biblical um, believers believe about dinosaurs. In the short version, it is the dinosaurs were created by God on the sixth day of creation, approximately 6,000 years ago, and they were originally vegetarian. During a global flood, many of them were buried and fossilized, which we can see, still see today, and two of each kind survived on Noah's Ark. Most dinosaurs eventually died out due to either human activity, environmental changes, or other factors. And then we got in a little bit deeper. We discussed the question of whether dinosaurs exist. Of course they do. We talked about the etymology of the word dinosaur and that before the 1820s, the word was dragon and not dinosaur. We discussed how the average sized dinosaur that we know of is somewhere between the size of a sheep and a bison, not the size of a house. <laughs> And when, do dinosaurs, when did dinosaurs live? We discussed that they were not ruling the earth 140 million years ago. They were, one of, they were several of um, many kinds of creatures that God created about 6,000 years ago. And then we talked about where they came from. And we read through Genesis of the different types of animals and referred to passages like in Genesis chapter 7 because there were two of every land animal and seven of some others for different reasons that dinosaurs must have been on the ark and that it's illogical to think that God would have sent full-grown adult <laughs> massive amount of food eating animals of any kind he would have sent young adults that were weaned and independent but consuming less food taking up less space still had plenty of life expectancy God would have done something reasonable because God is a reasonable God. And again, if the average size dinosaur is somewhere between a sheep and a bison, their young would still be smaller than that. Wouldn't have been a problem. God had it all figured out when he gave those dimensions to uh, Noah, and we can trust that God knows what he's doing. Amen. Amen. And that the flood would have happened somewhere around 4,500 years ago, so every buried dinosaur on the planet that is fossilized is somewhere between four and five thousand years old. Okay, um, at the maximum, that was that was the caveat there. Then we got to the concept of have dinosaurs lived in recent times, and that's where we'll pick it up this week. There's a lot of evidence uh, from a different ministry that's on the chart that I gave you for your handout. That's not necessarily what the lesson plan is. I just wanted you to be able to take that on your own to. Um, to investigate some of these things like the Ica stones. There's lots of online content about them. There are tens of thousands of those Ica stones in existence. Um, the all, um, how do I say it again? Acambado figures, Acambado, is that the one in the bottom left? Those, uh, those figures that are made 
Akinbaro. Akinbaro, yeah. Those, those figures, again, made of dinosaurs, the way that we see uh, dinosaurs today, and we can obviously test no matter your belief about how old civilizations are or how radiometric dating goes. These things are obviously older than the 1820s and uh, couldn't have been fabricated. They, they, and again, we don't understand how ancient man could understand something to that level of, of, um, of detail unless he had seen it, right? There are other, other, lots of other topics like this that uh, we, we actually just discussed, myself and Timothy, about the fact that if you look at some of the oldest charts of seafaring people, almost all of them have some kind of sea monster drawn into the middle of the ocean, as if there there be dragons, right? And why would they do that had there not been sightings or tales? Um, and then where do those tales come from? So lots of uh, that kind of stuff. But if different kinds of dinosaurs survived the flood, then they would have come off the ark and they would have lived in the post-flood world. In the Bible, in the book of Job, uh, chapter 15 through 24, and this might be the next lesson if, if anybody has um, a desire to, to go deeper into these, um, God describes to Job, who lived after the flood, a great beast with which Job was familiar. This great animal was called behemoth in Job chapter 40, and it's described as the chief of the ways of God, and that would make it perhaps the biggest land animal God had created, if it is the chief of the ways of God. Impressively, Behemoth moved his tail like a cedar tree. I grew up in Texas. I've seen a lot of cedar trees. They're pretty big, and they're pretty strong. Okay. Um, some Bible commentaries revisionists, if I, if I would call them that, try to say that this animal, behemoth, must have been an elephant or a hippopotamus. But I've also seen elephants and several hippopotami, hippopotamuses, whatever you call them, in, in both uh, captivity and in the wild. And I have never seen an elephant or a hippopotamus with a tail that I would describe anything more than a twig. <laughs> Definitely not a cedar. Okay, so that obviously doesn't line up. Yeah, but the description through the book of Job, chapter 40, actually does match that of what we know of sauropods. Like the term brontosaurus may come to mind, right? That type of a dinosaur is tall, is heavy, is, and the sauropod dinosaur kind is the largest kind of dinosaurs that we know about. And they too have tails like cedars. Okay, um, elephants and hippos do not. Very few animals are singled out in the Bible with such as a detailed description as the behemoth is in the book of Job. Contrary to what many, many people think, the animals that we know of now as dinosaurs actually get more attention in scripture than most other animals that we know of as modern animals. So dinosaurs, of all different kinds, must have lived alongside people after the flood. Are dinosaurs mentioned in ancient literature? We just discussed the cartography and some of these examples you have here. But as I mentioned earlier, the word dragon is used a number of times in the Old Testament. In most instances, the word dinosaur could substitute for dragon, and it would fit very nicely. Creation scientists believe that dinosaurs were called dragons before the word dinosaur was invented in the 1800s. 
and we would not expect to find the word dinosaur in Bibles like the authorized version from 1611 or the King James Version from the 1700s that we use as it was translated well before the word dinosaur was ever conceived. Um, that's the wrong page. Ah, yeah, never mind, we'll skip that stuff. <laughs> also, there are many very old historical books and history books in, in various libraries around the world that have detailed records of dragons and their encounters with people. Surprisingly for most people, but not so surprisingly for creationists, many of these descriptions of dragons fit with how modern scientists describe dinosaurs. Um, we can say, we, we see descriptions even of, in, in a, a couple of tales that would marry with the Tyrannosaurus Rex description, right? Which everybody thinks is just um, modern and uh, and very old, but there are ancient man descriptions that, that match that. Unfortunately, the evidence is not considered valid by evolutionists, so it's immediately dismissed. And thus, through ad hominem fallacies, you are immediately dismissed if you reference the evidence that they immediately dismiss. And then you don't have a seat at the table, you're, you're, you know, you're considered illogical, you're considered um, fantastical, you're considered all of these things that don't allow you to be taken seriously as you're making scientific discussions, right? Again, everything should be taken with a grain of salt. Not all historical records can be considered accurate, and nor should they be. But if there is a preponderance of a type of tale, then something like that must have happened. It's why we can justify the Bible's description of the flood because there are over 270 other flood myths in the world. They don't all match, but they are still flood myths. That means if all of these different cultures, even ones that deny the Bible, still don't deny a flood, then maybe the flood happened, right? Even just from a logical perspective, if not from a biblical belief perspective. The more research that we do in historical literature, the more we realize there's an overwhelming evidence that dragons were real beasts, much like our modern reconstructions of dinosaurs, and that their existence has been recorded by many different people as recently as 100 years ago. What happened to the dinosaurs? Evolutionists use their imagination, not science, in a very big way answering this question of what happened to the dinosaurs, because their belief that dinosaurs ruled the world for millions of years before man and then disappeared millions of years before man allegedly evolved, they have to have come up with some sort of guess to explain the mysterious disappearance and the lack of overlap, in their opinion. So when reading evolutionary literature, you'll be astonished at the range of ideas concerning their supposed ex ex extinction. The following is just a list of some of these theories. I'm not going to go into detail. Um, one of them, dinosaurs starved to death. Okay. Another one, they died from overeating. Okay, then one of, one of those can't be the truth, right? Um, they were poisoned by what or who? They became blind with cataracts, couldn't reproduce, and then died. Another is the mammals ate all the eggs of the reptile dinosaurs. All of them. Another is uh, volcanic dust, poisonous gas comets, sunspots, meteorites, mass suicide. 
<laughs> Constipation. <laughs> Parasites. Um, even shrinking brains, meaning they got stupider. Slip discs. Changes in the composition of the air, and the list goes on, right? It's, it's all imagination. None of it can be proven, and none of it can be substantiated. But it's all considered scientific guesswork guesswork because it's coming from the experts. It's obvious that they don't know what happened and they're grasping at straws. In a recent evolutionary book called A New Look at the Dinosaurs, the author made this statement. Now comes the important question. What caused all these extinctions at one particular point in time, approximately 65 million years ago? Dozens of reasons have been suggested, some serious and some sensible, others quite crazy and yet others merely a joke. Every year, people come up with new theories on this thorny problem. The problem is, I'm sorry, the trouble is, that if we are to find just one reason to account for them all, it would have to explain the death, all at the same time, of animals living on land and of animals living in the sea, both, and in both cases, of only some of those animals, for many of the land dwellers and many of the sea dwellers went on living quite happily, into the following period. And no such one explanation exists. At least he's honest about it. But one such explanation does exist. If you remove the evolutionary framework and their ideology, you get rid of the millions of years fairy tale, and then you take the Bible seriously. You'll find an explanation that fits the facts and makes perfect sense. And it would sound something like this. At the time of the flood, many of the sea creatures died. Floods will do that. But some survived. In addition, all of the land creatures outside the ark died. But the representatives of all the kinds that died survived on the ark and lived into the new world after the flood. Those land animals, including dinosaurs, found the new world to be much different than the one before the flood, and suddenly conditions were different, like there was competition for food that, no, that was no longer in abundance. The, we've talked before that the earth before the flood did not have 70% of its surface covered in water. The majority of it was covered in land. It was interconnected. You could go everywhere. God commanded man and animal to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the earth was made to be filled. And if you had even 50% more vegetation on the earth, no one ever had to buy for food. Now, there was competition for food. There were follow-on catastrophes because the, the, the actual causes of the flood, the fountains of the great deep breaking open, created such an amount of chaos on the earth that it didn't just settle down after 140 days and all get back to normal. There would be follow-on eruptions and follow-on earthquakes and follow-on tectonic activity and these these smaller catastrophes after the flood would still cause other problems before the earth starts getting closer to an equilibrium. I'm of the belief that it's still not at an equilibrium and it won't be until God remakes it. But it, it is the, the wobbles of the top, if you will. When you spin a top on the table and it reaches an equilibrium, you can thump it and it will try to correct itself. Right? As long as it can keep spinning, it tries to correct itself. And the, the corrections become less and less violent as it gets closer to an equilibrium, right? 
but any small grain on the table, right, or blow of wind can then again reach it and push it off of its equilibrium. So those follow-on catastrophes were also a big thing. And then there was man all of a sudden now killing for food or perhaps for fun. We don't know when that began, but there are people who kill for fun. Um, I know that there are hunters that hunt and then don't want to use it for anything, right? They just want the experience. But we don't know when that started in the heart of man, but it did affect those, those animals after the flood. And then there was the destruction of habitats and ecosystems, as Timothy and I discussed. When one type of animal comes in and destroys another type of ecosystem, you lose whatever was being balanced by that ecosystem. Or when man comes in and destroys an ecosystem, we can lose several types of animals. Either they leave that area or they might die entirely. But all of this list could go on and on. And due to these and other reasons, many species of animals eventually died out. The group of animals that we know as dinosaurs just happened to die out too. Not only, but as well. In fact, quite a number of animals became extinct or become extinct each year. I don't know if you've seen the list, but we actually, the, as we're discovering new species we never knew existed, we're also losing species every year. There, there are, they, excuse me, there are organizations that track the list of, of animals that become extinct every year, and it's double digits. So extinction seems to be the rule in Earth's history, not the exception. And the formation of new types of animals is not the rule, though evolution tries to claim it to be so. Okay, will we ever see a live dinosaur? What do you think? The answer is probably not. But then again, there are scientists who believe a few dinosaurs may have survived in remote jungles. There's another sheet like this I'll make you copies of to take with you. Uh, it's kind of part two of the same thing. Um, those, those scientists think that maybe in remote jungles or deep sea trenches, some dinosaurs, either land-dwelling or water-dwelling, have escaped the power and reach of man and been able to persist. We're just still discovering new species of animals and plants today, as I mentioned, that have um, been too difficult in areas of the world that have been too difficult to explore, right? Where um, animals and plants have found a way to survive, but we haven't found a way to get there. And that those, those places still exist on the post-flood Earth. And there are even natives in some countries that describe beasts that fit the description of a lot of dinosaurs. And you can either think that they're, you know, savage, people that are uneducated and are making everything up out of their fear, or you could think maybe there's some truth to it. It's up to you. There, again, when I give you the other handout, it'll have more of that, like within our modern era, um, sightings of things and descriptions of things in books. Um, there are books, articles, photos, documentaries that all reference, um, they're all referenced in there, which attest to these claims of mankind seeing dinosaurs. I find the evidence fascinating, and I would love to run across one one day. You know, obviously not in a violent way, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, would, I wouldn't mind being one of the you know couple thousand people who've seen Nessie. I mean, I would, I, I'd love to do that. Um, creationists, of course, would have would not be surprised if someone found a living dinosaur today. And the only creationists who would be surprised, I'll give you a warning, are the ones who've bought into the lie of evolution and only half believe what the Bible says. 
the ones who try to find a compromise between the obvious experts of science and the traditions of scripture. But as we've gone over for the last year, you don't have to buy man's lies because God's truth is enough. God gave us everything we need, and if we start with the assumption that God is not a liar, and that his word is his word and not the lies of man, then all of our study in science yields confirmatory evidence toward the Bible. It doesn't have to be contradictory to our worldview, which is what we get when we start with the assumptions of evolution and then we carry out science. We find evidence that refutes our worldview, so we have to reinterpret it, we have to hide it, and we have to manipulate it to fit our worldview. And then anyone who tries to blend both worldviews is abandoning both of them because they are diametrically opposed. Okay? So creationists, true creationists who believe the Bible, who've read the book of Job, if we, if we found a dinosaur, all it does is prove our worldview. God created dinosaurs with all the other land animals on day six. Some of them survived on the ark after the flood. And some of them have survived to continue to reproduce until today. Right? I'm sure that we all know the story of the dodo, a bird that existed, and then it went extinct, and then there were enough, it was enough time passing where people said, oh, it never existed in the first place, you guys were just making it up. And then they found bones and remains, and they were able to, to say, no, we're not making this up. Just because you don't want it to exist doesn't mean it didn't, and it is an extinct creature, right? But that is one of hundreds of thousands of extinct creatures, because God's diversity in original creation was so great that there's no limit to the potential of species that could exist from the kinds that he created, except for environment and man's, you know, and hunting and all these other kind of things that we said have, have actually caused extinctions. Um, evolutionists would have to explain, if we found a living dinosaur today, why they made these dogmatic statements that man and dinosaur never lived at the same time when they themselves have been living at the same time as dinosaurs. I suspect that they would say something to the effect of, oh, this dinosaur somehow survived because it was trapped in a remote area that's not changed for millions of years, and maybe it was cryogenically frozen, and then all of your global warming woke <laughs> it up, and okay, we can make up sci-fi fairy tales all we want to. Um, but those kind of rescue devices get more and more strained the farther that truth gets from your bad worldview. And that's what the whole concept of biblical creationism is about, is to bring up evidence and bring up topics and do science and study and research to try to show how far the truth is from the lies of evolution. The truth of what exists in the world is truth. How we interpret it, how we interpret facts, again, is totally dependent on our worldviews. But day after day, after year after year, the truth, the facts, are pulling away from the lies of evolution and their worldview. And it's becoming harder and harder for them to actually interpret without manipulation, without lies, without deceit, and without hiding that evidence. But we want it to be out in the open. And I would, I would challenge you, if you don't want evidence to be out, scientific evidence to be out in the open, do you really believe your worldview? Right? If you want, if you don't want anybody to know that thing, is it because it will refute your worldview? Or because 
you're scared that your worldview is wrong. And we shouldn't, as, Christ, as Christians, as creationists, be scared that our worldview is wrong. We shouldn't worry about whether they find aliens on another planet because we know the Bible would have told us if God created man anywhere else or whatever kind of species, right? If we believe the Bible, if we believe God, then we shouldn't fear that search. Now, I could say whether that search is worth the money that the taxpayers are paying to try to go out and find life somewhere else when we could be investing it in the life that we have here, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> we do um, have some lessons we can learn. I don't know how many um, we could get into before we finish here, but there are some lessons to be learned from dinosaurs, regardless of um, sort of find common ground. So when we see the bones of dinosaurs, we can remind, we can be reminded that death was not a part of God's original plan. Death is actually an intruder entering when the first man disobeyed God. The Bible tells us that because we are all descendants of Adam, we too have sinned. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's Romans 5.12. Or for all of sin that come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. We need to recognize that the wickedness of the world is because of sin, because man rebelled against a holy God. And that is a lesson we should remember every time we see dinosaur bones. We can also be reminded that God, who made all things, including the dinosaurs, is also a judge of his creation. He judged Adam's rebellion by cursing the world with death. Adam was warned about what would happen if he disobeyed God's in instruction not to eat the fruit of the particular tree, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis 2.17. Dinosaurs can also remind us that God judged the rebellion in Noah's day by destroying the wicked world with water, resulting in the death of millions of people and creatures. The Bible teaches us that he will again judge the world, but the next time by fire. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, that's 2 Peter 3.10. And then we could be reminded that after this judgment by fire, God will make a new heaven and a new earth, we discussed earlier. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, 2 Peter 3.13. And what will it be like in this new earth? God shall wipe away the tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. That's Revelation 21.4. So, and then, and then there are other warnings and other things that we can learn. Um, but the, the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross on the third day, rose again, conquered death, so that anyone who believes in him and accepts him into their heart, or her, uh, his or her heart, is able to come back to God as was original the plan, that no man should ever leave God. No man would die. No, none of mankind, none of the creatures of God were meant to die, to be separated, to sin. None of that was part of the original plan. But the reason we see bones, the reason we see death, the reason we see extinction, it's all our fault, but all of that fault was put on Jesus Christ on the cross, and he, by his sacrifice, forgave us. And we can look at dinosaur bones and worry about whether that proves evolution or that proves creation. Or we can look at them and be thankful to God that we in our generation have the full word of God. We in our generation have this example of, of thousands of people and of time before us 
that remind us over and over again that the Bible is true, that our God is believable, is reasonable, and he is powerful, and he wants us to know him. He doesn't want us to just go about making it up. He's already told us everything we need to know. We need to learn it instead of making it up. Okay, if, if there is any more um, desire to, to delve into the, the dinosaur concept, I have more resources for that, more information for that. But um, as it stands, I think that dinosaurs are fascinating, and whether, whether we ever see them or not has nothing to do with the fact that the Bible does talk of them. And um, changing definitions of words and waving your hands over things and ignoring different things does not give you the power to say that they never existed or that they didn't exist the way that you think. Um, we should be careful to be dogmatic, as so many evolutionists are, about things and accept that God made many wonders we may not ever understand. Amen? All right. Thanks for your attention today. We'll pray, and then we'll get to the service of the Father. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you.